one and all to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. This is episode 128, or one with a bunch of zeros, if, if you really care. <laughs> and with me this time, we have Neil Ronahan, our fearless leader. Hello, hello. It's been it's been a long time. I think I... Was I on any after 100? I'm not sure. Because I remember... You probably have. Yeah. I, I mean, we've been doing this pretty regularly, so... It probably was like less than ten episodes ago, yeah. Uh, in terms of numbering, <laughs> but maybe a year ago, I don't know. Um, it is what it is. We're here, we're here, and we have. Uh, I think we got a fantastic lineup. I know at least the ones the ones that I know that I, I, uh, I recommended to you. I some awesome music, although one of them is something that I haven't played in a long time, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to embarrassingly not know what it is when it's played. We'll see. Uh, for those who haven't listened to this podcast before, I should probably uh, give an overview of the uh, format now and again. So we have five games, three songs per game. Your job as a listener is to try to figure out which game it is based on the music. And uh, after the second song for each game, we have a little trivia question that also serves as kind of a hint as to what game it might be. So those who don't know the game yet... Uh, it's, it's an extra little hint. If you know the game already, it's something else to think about. It, uh, it has dual purpose. All right, we got uh, five games, like I said. Let's get started. Yay!
Well, that's up there with uh, the Monjora's Masks uh, end credits music for <laughs> longest song selection, but uh, I think it's very good. Yeah, no, I like that song, and it, I'm, I'm kicking myself because I think I have an idea of what it is, and I know immediately once it's said, I will know 100% what it is. Something I've played, I know that much. This is the way I like radio trivia. Yeah, where it's just like, <laughs> like it's a thing on the tip of your tongue. Okay, I'm pretty sure I know it now. <laughs> well, those who don't know it yet, here's your hint question. Well, it's for everyone, actually, even if you know <laughs> the game. What was the original inspiration for this series? Yeah, I think I know it.
right. Well, uh, there were some pretty big hints in the song selections here. So <laughs> uh, if you've played this game, then you probably know what it is. What game is this, Neil? It is Fortune Street for the Nintendo Wii. That is correct. This is a listener request from Golden Link 18 in the forums. That, that is a fantastic human being because uh, I guess ironically enough, I've been playing a ton of Fortune Street in the past couple weeks. <laughs> This is a very interesting game. I've never played it because I, I just can't get myself to purchase like a Monopoly game for. I just I don't have anyone to play it with. But. I think I think you probably played it with me at that E3 because I think it was like me and yeah, I think it was just like we were lingering around the Nintendo booth at the end of Thursday at E3 and they had a demo for it, so a couple of us played it. I don't remember playing. Maybe I maybe I just maybe, don't yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I don't think it was anything planned. It was just like we were there because Fortune Street isn't really a game that demos that well. No, <laughs> um, because it's very in depth. I mean, it's basically Tim. In my opinion, it's the coolest version of Monopoly ever. Right. Um, because the only reason why I even have it is because I think it was because it came out. It came out um, late 2010 on Wii, so it was like when the system was kind of, or maybe it was even late 2011. It is pretty late in the game. Yeah, the, the, it was. Yeah, it was either 2010 or 2011. I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. I think no, it was 2011 because I think it was the same E3 uh, six months before Skyward Sword came out. It was that same year. Um, but I didn't play it at all, and I think Newegg had a sale for that in Rhythm Heaven Fever, where I got both of them for like 10 to 15 dollars each. Nice. Um, because I played, well, we got the review copy in for Rhythm Heaven Fever, and I played through that, and I didn't have my own copy of it, so I got that, and I got Fortune Street, because I was like, oh, why not? You know, maybe I'll play it. And I didn't really play it for a long time until me, Lauren, and one of our friends, uh, we were just sitting around, we're like, all right, let's play it, and we got super engrossed in it, and the games go on very long, and it was the kind of thing where, like, we started playing at, like, 8 or 9 o'clock, went until close to midnight, and we had that moment where we're like, do we want to play another one? No, no, we go, oh, we could. <laughs> and just recently, uh, Lauren just kind of mentioned it again. So we started playing it, and uh, we've been playing it a bunch with friends nearby and indoctrinating them into the Fortune Street life. Because the thing that really makes it so much cooler and better than Monopoly for me is one, a lot of, you know, all the all the banking stuff's automated because it's a video game. Mm-hmm. And you, you get to play as a slime or a platypunk or Mario or Wario or, or Waluigi. That's fun. Um, Ooh, but then so you have these boards and they have a whole wide variety of boards and all I think uh, at least the first song that we heard um, I think that plays because I know that's from a Dragon Quest game I, I think that's from 9 that specific song and like they have a lot of boards that are inspired by different you know Dragon Quest and Mario locales mm-hmm, um, to go with the characters and each board is split into different districts and it's like a game board usually and like there's one in the shape of a slime when you play with the harder rules there is also a stock market which sounds very confusing, but fortunately, because you know it's a video game and things are automated, you can kind of just go with it and see what happens. Um, so you're basically like you you invest stocks into different districts, which have properties that people own. So like you could see like okay, you know what the, the guy who's playing is Mario. Okay, he's got he's got three of the four properties in that region, so that means he's probably going to invest a lot in them. So I'm going to try to buy the stocks and get on the ground level. So that way, when he invests in them, or people land on the squares and pay him a lot of money, then you get a cut of it. So even if you don't own, yeah, um, monopolies, so to speak, you could still win because you have a lot of stock in yep. those. And then and like I, I had I had one uh, one game recently where I was playing with a friend and he was he was handedly ahead. 
And they also have like, you know, kind of like the, the chance cards and stuff that are in Monopoly mm-hmm. as well. And I got one of them that was I could sell all of my stock from, from one one district for like a 40% increase. So I went from being in third place to almost winning. Like <laughs> instantaneously and I mean it just I, I really enjoy it because especially when you play with, with the stocks on there is a lot of mobility into like who can win because even if you know someone owns more of the properties or has a lot more monopolies you can invest wisely and then uh, mm-hmm. you know try to try to inch your way up that way so, so uh, obviously superficially it looks like Mario Party to the untrained eye but it sounds like this game is very different from another yeah there, there uh, aren't really probably the most mini game like mini game is one where you're basically betting on slimes like there, there's a slime race and you each pick one that you think is going to win, and then you watch them. And there's no interaction. Just whoever wins gets gets money. So there are no mini games that are nope. along the lines of a Mario. Okay. Yeah. There's like there. I mean, yeah. There are there are like games you can play, but it's usually just like dumb games of chance, not in like a like ones that are in, in, like it's like a slot machine or hmm. you know here's a bunch of different question blocks. Pick one. Well, I don't know how big uh, this game was in the U.S., but. I don't think it was big. Uh, this is probably the equivalent of the Mario and, and Sonic at the Olympics for Japan. I mean, in terms of dra- it's, a, it's a this one's themed after Dragon Quest and Mario, as, as you alluded to. Yeah. So it's kind of like two titans in, in in Nintendo. That you know, at first base value, it doesn't make sense to have them in the same world yeah. for the same game. But I actually read into it a little bit because I was curious because I I heard well I think there's like a mobile version, but I think it's only out in Japan. But I was reading up on the, the history of the series. It, it's in Japan. It's called Itadaki Street. Mm-hmm. And I think it started on the Super Nintendo or Super no, Famicom. No, the Famicom. Okay, the, it was on the Famicom. 1991 on the Famicom, yeah. Yeah. Um, and at first, I don't think there was any... It was just like a straight board game. And then the Dragon Quest characters got added. And there were actually, I think, a couple on the PlayStation that never made it over uh, that had mm-hmm. Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy characters. And then it wasn't until the DS that it was Dragon Quest and Nintendo characters. And Fortune Street on Wii is the only one to ever make it overseas, and it and it's kind of it kind of sucks because I think, I mean, it's a tough game to market as it is, but because it came out so late in the Wii's life cycle, like I don't know if there were ever if they were ever to make another one on like Wii U, I don't think it would come over. Hmm, I don't know, I don't know, but the the original. Famicom release was actually based on a Dragon Quest three mini game. Okay. Apparently there was something very similar to it, or kind of a prototype of it, uh, in Dragon Quest 3, which is why later on you saw Dragon Quest themed. Yeah, because yeah, Yuji Hori was involved with it from the beginning. Yep. Yeah, so that's why it's been so closely tied to Dragon Quest. Yeah. Um, I don't know how full-featured it was. But. Yeah, Dragon Quest 3 is one of the few Dragon Quest games that I've never played at all. I guess that and 7 are the only ones I've never played, and 10, but that hasn't come out. Here. Yeah, I, I think I played three on the Game Boy Color, but I really don't yeah. Because wasn't there the one games. that was like it was like two and three in one cartridge or something like that? I think that? it was one. It was one and two in one cartridge, and then there was Dragon Quest three. Okay, yeah, because I played I played one and two on the NES, um, and that was my first exposure to the Dragon Quest series, and or I guess Dragon Warrior, and I did not mm-hmm. like it because it was a super dated RPG, and I think I played them in like 1994. I had already mm-hmm. played like a Final Fantasy two at that point, and I was like, what's this dumb old thing? <laughs> and it really, it wasn't until I can actually, I, I distinctly remember when, it was uh, Johnny reviewed Dragon Quest IV on DS. And I was like, hey, that sounds awesome. 
And I didn't get Dragon Quest IV, but then when Dragon Quest V came out on DS, I signed up for the review and played through that and loved it. And then I've, I've been going back and I've, I played, I borrowed a friend's copy of uh, 8 and played about halfway through that. I played through 4 and 6 and 9. Yeah, it's been a while since I played a Dragon Quest game, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether I want to play uh, a Dragon Quest game or a Pokemon game, because they're to me they're kind of the same <laughs> in a lot of ways, so I, I haven't played either in a long time. So I really hope that, I mean, there's been recent talk, I mean, if, if someone listens to this in the future, maybe it's that future where Dragon Quest Seven does come out in America, but there was something, I think it was at a, there was some, oh, PAX Prime, I think there was someone from Square Enix talking and they basically said, like, oh, we bring over Dragon Quest Seven, but, oh, it's so much text to translate. Like, oh, God. <laughs> it's your job. It's how you make money by yeah. localizing stuff. But they're saying that, like, I mean, they're saying that the cost to, to localize it wouldn't be worth it, which it might not really? be wrong, but... Because, I mean, to me, that says that probably Dragon Quest Six didn't really do that well. But once again, it came out on a system that was seven years old. I don't know. Dragon Quest has never done well. Yeah. In, in North America, it is never done. I mean, even Dragon Quest Eight for you know PlayStation yeah. and I think, Two. I think Nine did decently on DS, yeah. but I don't think any of the remakes really did that well. Which is probably why they're hesitating on Seven and then the Rocket Slime game on 3DS, and why they're not worrying about bringing the MMO over. Yeah. Well, speaking of Rocket Slime, this game has some deep cuts in terms of music. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know if Koichi Sugiyama was the person responsible for rearranging all the songs in this or whether he's just sort of billed his top billing for music but uh, there's some fun um, you know arrangements of some of the more uh, obscure stuff from like Super Mario World and, and stuff yeah, like that like there's, so, I mean I think like there's an athletic theme arrangement and a lot of it I mean it's like the music better be good because you start a map and you're probably playing minimum like hour and a half two hours Yeah, and it's just the same song looping over and over again and that's why, like, I feel even dumber for not knowing the first song, because I'm like, this is so familiar, how do I know it? And it's because, like, two weeks ago, I was playing that exact level <laughs> in Fortune right. Street. But I, I just, I was like, it's from a Dragon Quest game, but which one? Not thinking that it could be something that, like, Fortune Street. <laughs> it's a crappy cartoon crossover, kids! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we should move on to the next game. Alright. So, here is your second game.
I know what this game is, and I love it. <laughs> I'd hope you know what this game is. If you don't know what that song was, then there is a certain thing you need to go do, and it's called Play This Game. Neil, would you do the honors of reading the question? I sure would. Which non-playable character loves his puns perhaps a bit too much?
What a great game. What a fantastic game. Oh, yeah. This would, of course, be Shovel Knight. Yay! Well, well, for a lot of systems, but Wii U and and 3DS will suffice. Well, actually, right now it's just Wii U, 3DS, and PC. Oh, really? I thought it was on more than just that. Okay, well, cool. Um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Shovel Knight, play it. Um, It is very good. uh, It's it's a very good game. I think it is... uh, Unless Smash Brothers completely blows my mind, I don't think there's any game that will dethrone it as my personal game of the year. Yeah, it'll be hard to do. Um, you know, I almost didn't buy this game because it being compared so much to Mega Man, and uh, I'm not the world's biggest, but it's it, that's really an unfair comparison. It, it's the structure is similar, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, some of, some of the gameplay is kind of similar, but it's just as much Zelda 2 yeah. or classic Castlevania, which I'm also yep. a little hesitant to yeah. say, but it, it's, it's more polished than those old Castlevania games. One of the strengths of it is that it kind of references a lot of these old games, but it's not like, oh yeah, it's just like a new version of DuckTales. Like, it's not like that. Right. It's just this nice... It's it's basically, you can tell that, you know, I think the, I think it's five people worked on the game. Um, those five people played those games when they were younger and they loved the shit out of them. Yep, and they made their. They made. I mean, it feels like a game that, like, it's a game that we didn't know of that came out in like 1991, on like Super yep. Nintendo or something. Yeah, this. In case you don't know, the soundtrack is an NES file. Yes. The, the soundtrack is an NSF file, with using the, I don't know, maybe the Konami chip or whatever. Yeah, but, it's, um, it's by uh, Jake Vert Kaufman, who yep. he's done. He, I mean, he's a big in the remix scene. Yeah, I mean, he does a lot of um, soundtracks to older, you know, old school games. Yeah. You know, new old school games. He's and a Ducktales. He's he's incredible. And he really is. He, I'm not as big a fan as some people, but he hit it out of the park in this soundtrack. And honestly, I think the NES format, I think really, he benefited from it because it gave him some um, bounds. Right? So sometimes he gets a little too busy in his soundtracks. Yeah, and um, I think saying, "Hey, I'm going to use this NES chip, which gives me a limited number of channels." Um, it, I think it focuses the soundtrack a little more, and uh, I, I just think it's great. It's just very cohesive, um, very rich, and just not too busy. So, yeah, um, I'm a huge fan of the soundtrack. I don't know which two. Um, um, I know God, I'm blanking now. There are two songs made by someone else. Manami Matsumai, I think. It's uh, well, she she worked on uh, the original Mega Man soundtrack. Yeah, I don't know which two songs she did. It's Plague Night. I think it's Plague Night Stage. Something like that. There were there were two two of the levels that have songs done by her. And then actually, uh, if you do go to, I think it's vert.bandcamp.com. Uh, one, the entire soundtrack is there if you want to listen to it, and you can even you can buy it as well. Um, mm-hmm. And there's also yep. an entire remix album uh, that uh, actually um, Manami, I, I, the the woman who worked on Mega Man, but she also remixed one of the songs from from Shovel Knight that that uh, Vert worked on. Oh, cool. so yeah, no, I mean I just I think the soundtrack for this game is incredible, and it really is like. I, I'm a person who usually will like beat a game and be like, all right, I'm done, that's fun. And I played through this on New Game Plus. I started a no checkpoint run. I 
got really into the street pass and then I didn't find anyone to street pass anymore so that ended but it's just it is a game that makes me happy whenever I play it and the music helps out the animation helps out it's just I think it's a masterpiece it, it is very well polished they put as much time as they wanted into it before they released it they did not clearly they were not rushed or, or anything they, they yeah. felt like they had enough funding and enough leeway to, to wait until it was just completely done which uh, honestly you're not gonna you might find that from like Nintendo but outside of Nintendo I don't think you're gonna find that kind of situation outside of something like these yeah. you know independent developers where you know they have the leeway to say no we're not done yet yeah and I mean, you can read a lot. Of, they they have a lot of like blog posts about you know how how damn hard it was to to you know make this game. I mean, I think they I think the development time was 15 months at the at the most, something like that. And before that, when they I mean, they're all from way forward. And I think they they've said that the longest that they ever spent working on a game was maybe a little more than six months. Wow. Well, that shows. Yeah. On way forward's game. Sorry, yeah. it shows. And and for this one, they had over a year. And they they worked themselves to the bone, but it worked. It paid off, and it seems like it's paying off. Both, you know, I mean, we loved it. Zach gave it a ten out of ten when he reviewed it, and uh, it seems like it's selling well as well. And even That's on great. even on Wii U, it's selling well. That's what I played it on. Yep, I I have well, I have a uh, I had a Kickstarter backer code for 3DS, and then I bought it on Wii U. <laughs> you bought it anyway. It was the kind of um, thing where I'm just like, I want to support them more, and also, like, um, there is a multiplayer mode, and, and there's still a lot of modes on the way. There's, like, a multiplayer battle mode that's going to be coming out in the coming months. There's, you can play as some of the, the boss characters. Uh, I huh. think they are actively working on that, so there's no exact timetable, but it will be a free update to anyone who buys the game. That'll be interesting. Unfortunately, the level design is such that it's pretty linear even if you're playing with a different character but yeah. um, I was certainly like a huge fan of the the you know mode plus where you were playing as different characters in, in the which Castlevania portable was it was it Donasaro I'm not as familiar I, I that's that's one of the big gaps in my play history is that I've I want to go back and play specifically those those or like Don of Sorrow and Aria of Sorrow. I would really like to play. I hope I hope that they come to a GBA Virtual Console on Wii U. I think the GBA ones are supposed to be coming sometime soon. Yeah, one of the Don of, I think it was Don of Sorrow where uh, you rotated amongst three other characters and uh, the progression was kind of a different path. Like you you went through the same area, but because you had different power ups, um, you yeah. went. There was totally. There are other games that I've played that are similar like that, but they kind of escape me right now. Well, uh, whatever Yacht Club Games does next, I'm certainly going to be keeping an eye on them. Yep. Um, if Nintendo knows what's good for them, they will continue to work with them closely. Yeah. Maybe even uh, give them uh, maybe a Metroid. Uh, maybe, yeah. uh, maybe even if they not, if they want to go off and do their own things. Uh, um, yeah. I, I'd hate to see uh, a Fallout or. You know, someone like Microsoft swooping with money hats, and because uh, they feel so at home on on Wii U and uh, 3DS with Shovel Knight. That, yeah, and um, I, th- I think they they are they are the, the rare indie developer that has nothing but great things to say about Nintendo. <laughs> and I think I mean they they made such a good game that there there is a there is a very good reason why Nintendo trumpeted this game as much as they did. Yep. Um, even they they even had a, had a I don't know if. 
if too many people saw this, but it just happened. I had a Nintendo did a live stream at San Diego Comic Con, like they did at E3, but kind of less important because there wasn't, you know, giant news dropping all the time. Yeah, uh, this was this was their justifying that infrastructure by using it from yeah. more than one event. Um, sure, but they actually had uh, some of the guys from Yacht Club there, and they did they did a competition where it was someone from uh, Treehouse. Um, trying to be the level quicker than some for the development team, and actually the person from Treehouse won. I mean, I just, I, I like they keep on being brought out with stuff like that, and I think, I think, I hope that is a relationship that will last long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, they could become like a rare or, or yeah. something, you know, two okay, second party. But yeah. Nintendo doesn't really seem to be doing that much. Or, I mean, yeah, I hope, I hope that happens. I hope it doesn't end like Rare did because yeah. Rare ain't doing nothing good anymore. Before we go on, uh, we should answer the bonus question here, or the hint question, as it were. Uh, the question was regarding uh, which non-playable character loves, loves, loves his puns. And uh, the answer to that is Croker. Croker is a frog-like creature in the uh, first town that uh, has a huge arsenal of puns that uh, uh, you can read at your leisure. And some of them are funny. Some of them uh, maybe make you groan or croak, as it were. There is uh, uh, an additional set of puns in the second town, but uh, that involves uh, Shovel Knight actually telling puns to, uh, I don't know, it was Toadster or whatever the uh, other guy is. But uh, Shovel Knight himself is, is giving the puns there. Okay, well, um, that was Shovel Knight. Fantastic game. Uh, I can't tell you which platform to get it on, whichever one floats your boat. But uh, yeah. definitely, if, if you passed on it, check it out anyway. It's a hodgepodge of a bunch of different classic NES games, yet more polished. And uh, I, I have a few complaints, but you know, they're so minor. Yeah. So minor that uh, you have to check this out. I mean, just play it. Yep. Quite as good a soundtrack as Shovel Knight, I have to confess. Yeah, I feel like I feel like this is a downgrade from the past two games. <laughs> <laughs>
So, Neil, how do you earn a technical bonus in this game? If I knew what the game was, I'd be able to give you that answer, maybe, but I'm, I'm not sure. Guesses anyone? Um, I feel like it's a pinball game on maybe the Game Boy, but I feel like this the soundtrack might be a little bit too. Maybe it's a Game Boy Color game. I don't know. You're not uh, far off, actually, but uh, I don't think you'd ever guess this if you've never seen it in action. This was a listener quest uh, from MASB in the forums. And it is Mario Clash for the oh, God. Virtual Boy. Yeah, no, I mean, see, I guess the thing is with Virtual Boy games is that you don't really hear the music too well. There's a reason. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why you don't hear the music too much out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is not uh, Nintendo's finest soundtrack. I mean, I, I, I own this game. I've played you it. Do? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 have oh. a, I have my Virtual Boy. I have pretty much e every... Every game that's not, like, more expensive than $20 I own at this point. Mm. Which is, like, 10 of the 18 or something like that. Which, I mean, that answers a question why I was familiar. It was actually, part of me was, was going to say Galactic Pinball. But I that as I was thinking about that, I knew for a fact that I think you and Johnny talked about yeah, that episode. Yeah, we've used episode. that. Because that's that got, game. like, the weird Metroid reference in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess I, I I guess I feel like respectable because that's that's why I was thinking pinball game because I was like this kind of reminds me of Galactic Pinball but maybe I should have went with the Virtual Boy theme and not the pinball theme. Yeah. No, this is um. God, how would you describe it? It's it's a sequel of sorts to the original Mario Brothers yeah. game, the arcade Mario Brothers it's game. It's not, not a super. great game. <laughs> I, I like the idea of it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it lasts the whole game, but I, I'm kind of surprised they never. Did any sort of remake or uh, mini game based on it as something for the 3DS? I mean, I could see this as like a five dollar, you know, 3DS eShop game. 
as that, as that, I think it would be pretty cool because uh, it's been a while since I've played it, and as far as the virtual bow games go, this is probably one of the ones that I spent the least time with. Mm-hmm. But I mean, basically, it plays like Mario Brothers, but you have different stages. I think they might be floors. You might be like going up a tower or something. Um, and uh, you know, you're playing Mario Brothers, but the the trick with it is because you have the depth of field. Is that like you'll be in the front and then go on a pipe and then you'll be in the background? Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty neat, but it doesn't like it never really held my interest for too long. I, I thought part of the the change up in the style is that a lot of the enemies you have to kill using the turtle shells. Yes. So yes, what you do, do is you or you hop on the turtle shell, I guess, and then you grab it and you throw it, you know, sideways or into or out of the, of the screen. Yep. Yeah, and you can also when you're on when you're on like a back level or a front level, you can throw the turtle shell to the other level. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of neat. So if you, if you hit multiple enemies with a single shell, you get technical bonus points. Woo, 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 woo. So I, I suspect that uh, technical bonus points uh, is a poor translation. Probably yeah. technique would be the, the correct translation. But uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't have a whole lot to say about Mario Clash. Yeah. I never played it. It seems like an interesting idea, but idea, but like so much of the Virtual Boy uh, repertoire, it's it's kind of half baked. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like the just the tone of the system. There are a lot of cool ideas that I wish there were they experimented with them more, but they haven't. I, I feel like they the company collectively just ignored that system. Yeah, for probably a good reason. I mean, I, it's just the strangest part of the whole thing is that they let it come out. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like they let it out, but. Knowing that it was kind of a lame product, it was, it was kind of a weird. I, I, I'd be curious to see who made the decision there. I mean, I, I think as the story goes, it's more that the N64 was getting delayed, and I don't know if it was Yamachi or someone else was basically like, "We need to release a system." Okay, this is just a prototype, but we we just need to release a system because we haven't released one in a while. Hmm. Sound familiar? Yeah. Well, we'll go on to Neil's next game Ooh. request here. And I know what this one is. We have nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a game. I can give you that. I, I like that song. It's kind of a nice little yeah. you know, jazz. I don't know, flute. I, I don't know if it's a flute, but I don't know what instrument that would be. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right. I guess it's time to uh, to ask the question. One of the lead designers of this game went on to create and direct which long-running video game series? So I think this game's pretty neat. Please tell us about it, because uh, I've never played it. It is a Goof Troop for the Super Nintendo, which is, uh, I believe it came out in 1994. It's a Capcom game that was uh, directed by, or at least the lead designer was Shinji Mikami, who is best known for creating the Resident Evil series and directing a bunch of those games. Um, Quite a jump from Goof Troop to uh, Resident Evil. Well, not as much as you would think. Um, so it kind of, I, I feel like Goof Troop, and this is the reason why I, I, I got it off of eBay a couple years ago, kind of, you know, hearing the factoid that it's like, oh, it's by the Resident Evil guy, and it's a Capcom Disney game. And I heard comparisons that it was almost kind of like a, like a 2D Zelda game. But it's not so much like that. Um, you can play co-op, where you play as uh, Goofy and his son Max, or you can play single player. And a lot of the, like the inventory management and stuff like that from Resident Evil seems to have its roots in Goof Troop because when you're playing two-player, which I actually I, I played through the game with a friend, I, I didn't play too much single-player. Uh, I think each character can only hold like one item and you can't really attack enemies. You need to get items to do that or just avoid them or lead them to their own doom. But, like, sometimes, like, you know, if you're going through a cave, then, like, one person is going to need to hold a candle at all times. Hmm. Um, and then there's other stuff where I think, like, yeah, like, you use bombs to blow up passageways and stuff like that. And it's, you know, a lot of puzzles like that and avoiding enemies, making sure you have the right items to get through and solve puzzles. And you do go through those kind of, like, you know, 2D Zelda squares on a map. And I think there's, like, four or five levels with bosses at the end that uh, are usually pretty neat. Um, and it's like set on like a tropical island as well. I think the... I, I think the Japanese name, when I, was, when I was just looking at the Wikipedia page before, when we were trying to come up with the question for this, um, I think the Japanese name is something like Goofy and Max's like pirate ship adventure or something. Um, and it is, it's like, you know, Pete or whatever, the, mm-hmm. like the yeah. villain from the show. He's, he's like, yeah. he's working with like pirates or something. And Pete then, has a long history of pirating, I believe. Yes. And uh, then Goofy and Max are trapped on this island and, like, fighting natives and trying to get off the island. Hmm. 
So as far as it's tied to the actual TV show Goof Troop, it's very tenuous, but it's a fun game. It's definitely as far as those, those Capcom era, or those Capcom Super Nintendo era video games, I think this might be one of the most interesting that probably holds up maybe the best out of a lot of those. So do you have, is there a lot of going back to the um, the chest, so to speak, to switch out items? Yeah, sometimes it gets to that. But that's uh, when you're playing single player, I believe you have two item slots instead of one. But when you're playing multiplayer, like you really need to work together with the other person. Hmm. And uh, I played it with a friend who we regularly grief each other whenever we play co-op games. So, like, you know, my character would get stuck somewhere, and he'd be like, well, screw you, I'm just going to do everything, and then I'll come back to you, come back for you when I need you. We've got one last game here. Yeah, so let's get going. Very peaceful song. Yeah, I like it's it. A, it's a nice song. I can't really put, I can't put my finger on the game, but maybe other songs will help me out. I thought that song was pretty memorable, but maybe it isn't. 
Maybe maybe I haven't played the game. <laughs> that is a possibility. So yeah, I think I'm I'm going with the trend that I haven't played this game. It's possible. It, it's quite possible. But the the correct response would be you haven't played this game yet. Yes. Um, who originally pitched the idea for this game?
All right. Is this is this Layton versus Phoenix, right? It is. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you I do, uh, I do, playing this yet? I do really want to play this, but it's it's something that I, I think... Uh, well, because what happened with me is that I only just got Ace Attorney 5 when it was on sale. Um, oh. Because yeah. I saw when it was 30 bucks, and like I just kind of... I mean, it came out last October, and I've, I've enjoyed the Ace Attorney series, but I've never been super crazy over it, so I was kind of like, oh, I don't need to get it right now, and then I figured it would go on sale eventually. Mm-hmm. Then it happened to go on sale the same week that Layton versus Phoenix Wright came out, and I'm also... I finally finished Professor Layton and the Miracle Mask uh, about midway through August, so... Yeah, you aren't ready for another yeah. Layton game, then. Yeah, like, I know it'll be there. I'm excited to play it when I get around to it, but I think I'm going to try to play through Ace Attorney 5, and then That's a good go... Call. And then go and play Layton versus Phoenix Wright. I don't think I'm going to play Layton 6 anytime soon. I think that's kind of what <laughs> I've decided on. Well, I, I've only played one other Layton game. Um, I think it was uh, the Diabolical Box... Which um, I I recall enjoying it, but I think I kind of enjoy it in spite of the puzzles. I'm not sure how much of a latent puzzle fan I am. Um, I don't hate them or anything, but I guess I'm just sort of, you know, ambivalent to them. I was like, oh, I'll get through them to watch the story and the cutscenes and stuff, because I, I enjoy the writing yeah. uh, in that game. Um, so uh, this game kind of confirmed that that feeling of, of well, you know, I don't, I don't like I can tolerate Layton because I love Phoenix Wright. So uh, and that's really what it comes down to. Um, and uh, you know, I was reading one of the reviews on her site. I, I believe it was the one by Clay, Clay yeah. Johnson, and uh, I pretty much agree with everything he says. It, it's a really good game. Uh, it really respects both franchises. Um, it does feel a bit like. Right, visiting a Layton game um, more than the other way around. Um, just the overall setting, uh, and are you also the music? Um, feels a little more like uh, Professor Layton than, than Phoenix Wright. I mean, they, they do have themes from both series and, and everything, but the instrumentation feels a bit more like uh, a Layton game. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like it, it does a better job with three mixes of Layton songs and, and the new songs. The ones that are good are the more pensive and, and thoughtful, you know, songs. Whereas in Ace Attorney, a lot of the songs that are more memorable are are kind of the peppier, uh, kind of J-pop stuff that you know gets stuck in your ear, kind of stuff. Um, but overall, the, the soundtrack is really good, um, and and the game's really good. I mean, I'm not going to say it's better than the best Ace Attorney game or the best Layton game because it probably isn't, but. <laughs> Um, it's still a lot of fun. It's fun to see the, the you know the characters interact, and just on its own terms, it's actually a pretty interesting game. And yes, it has a lot of Layton esque bullshittery in, in terms of the plot line, but I guess that's to be expected. Yeah, and I know it kind of it jumps between both styles throughout, right? Yeah, in terms of the gameplay, um, the investigation. You know, if you were playing a pure you know Phoenix Wright game, it would be alternating between. Um, you know, courtroom and investigation. And in this game, basically, instead of having the investigation, you have the the latent style investigation where there yeah. are puzzles. And, you know, you will find a clue or two here and there that behave like a, a Phoenix Wright type clue. But generally speaking, when you're going about town, it's uh, it's like latent. And then you're in the courtroom, it's, you know, with one or two, you know, rare exceptions, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's an ace attorney game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to play it, but I just have a feeling, especially with the fall coming up, probably will be a while before I get to it. Yeah, if you're you're a little burned out on Layton games, you don't want to play this yet. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'll, give, I'll go and get burned out on uh, Ace Attorney games for playing five, and then and then go yeah. and play it. Yeah, maybe in a year when, when this game's on sale. Although, yeah. you know, thirty bucks is is a pretty good deal for this. Thirty bucks. Yeah, when I saw the thirty dollar price tag, that to me that sounds that sounds fine because I expected it to be forty, and then I saw it was thirty, and was tempted and was like, nope, you're not gonna play it. Yeah, originally I was looking to hold off, but I saw oh, it's already thirty bucks. I, I just I jumped yeah. on it because. Like I said, like I love Ace Attorney, so I'm willing to pull up a Leighton. Yep. <laughs> and all the Leighton haters are going to be mad at me now. But I, like I said, I, for I, me, it's like I don't know. Like, I mean, you're definitely way more into Ace Attorney games than, than I am. Like, I uh-huh. I enjoyed them. I actually, Ace Attorney Investigations was was my favorite in the series by far. I like the kind of change up in it. Um, the things that always bug me with Ace Attorney games is that like you know what's wrong with like you know like you know why this guy's guilty. But you just need to, like, you know, present the evidence on the exact line of dialogue. Yeah. Which always kind of struck me as a little, like, bullshittery. There's definitely moments like that in this game. I mean, you're not... It is Ace Attorney. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just part of that gameplay design because you're more... I mean, it's a visual novel, not necessarily, like, a game. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't really mind because the stories you... The story in the Ace Attorney games is, is great. I just sometimes, you know, I, I'll get to a point, I'll just I'll be like, screw it, I'm just going to go to GameFAQs and be like, okay, i got a percentage on this one, and just move on with my life. Yeah, and this game helps some with that, because it has the hint system where you can use a latent hint coin. Yeah, I saw that, I played a, I played a demo of it um, in New York at a Nintendo thing, and, and saw that they had the hint coins in the, the latent stuff. Yeah, and then that was, that's cool. I mean, that helps narrow it down. I, usually I found that the hint coins narrowed it out the ones that I knew weren't going to be correct anyway, but um, oh well, I mean, it's it's helpful to have that there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ace 35 is, you know, it's a lot of fun too, so. Yeah, uh, I'm excited I, to play I certainly it. can't fault you for holding off on this game to play uh, that one, so. But uh, yeah, to answer the question, who originally pitched the idea for this game, well, it originally came from the CEO of Level 5, Akihiro Hino, who basically said, hey, yeah, I, I want to do this. And so he went to Capcom. <laughs> and uh, they were able to make it work. I, I like Phoenix Wright games. Let's let's make a Phoenix Wright game. That's and basically it, how it went. And yeah, I, I think like, it had yeah. a weird development thing where, like, Capcom made the Phoenix Wright stuff and Level 5 made the Lightning stuff, and then they just kind of worked together to make it make it blend. Um, I don't know if it was that fragmented, because I, I think there was, there was a lot of overlap in, you know, the story. Yeah. But yeah, I'd be curious to see like whether the code is some Frankenstein of you know the engines from both series or or what. I like I I think that's how it is. Is because like yeah, they probably had an outline of like okay, here's the overall story, and then Capcom went and made the Phoenix Wright gameplay, and Level Five made the latent stuff. Well, they did a good job of integrating it because it isn't like all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, this feels totally different. Yeah. Um, I mean, the gameplay is different because you're in the courtroom, but I mean, in terms of the visual look and feel, it um, it, it isn't jarring by any means when, when you're switching between the two. Yeah. So I think they did a really good job there. So a lot of fun if, uh, yeah, if, if it's a little, you know, if you played Ace Attorney 5 recently or late one of the latent games recently, yeah, okay, hold off, but uh, don't forget about this one because it's it's pretty good, and it, it it does have some. I can't speak to the latent part because I don't, I haven't played enough of the latent games to know whether there's anything unique in there for that. But the Phoenix Wright portions does have um, unique aspects to it um, that aren't in any other um, 
you know, Phoenix Wright or Ace Attorney game. Cool. You know, so um, it, it does have some unique twists on it, on the gameplay. All right. Well, we should wrap this up. Neil, thank you very much for co-hosting this episode. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy doing this. And you can always read Neil's reviews. He has plenty of them on NintendoWorldReport.com. Yes, and we're, we're getting right to the season. I guess I guess a little teaser, because I think, I think by the time this goes up, the embargo for this game might be up. Uh, I I lost track of time before recording this because I was playing Hyrule Warriors. Um, we got the review copy just this week. I'm not um, jealous, Neil. Sorry. Uh, it's it's yeah. it's dumb fun. Like I, I think it's it's something. I mean, I'm only I, I halfway through the third level of the game, and the level the levels are pretty damn long. It's I mean, it's a Dynasty Warriors game. Uh, yeah, but I think if, it sure if, is. If you are a Zelda fan, um, and, and maybe there's some variability, like maybe if you're like, yeah, I like playing the games, I don't really give a crap about other stuff about it, then yeah, maybe it's not for you, but. It's just got like so much fan servicey fun dumb stuff that I'm I'm really enjoying it and even even like the Dynasty Warriors gameplay I feel like this is the best way for me to get into it because I think I've I've always enjoyed a little bit of what I've played about the games before but because I don't really give a crap about like Japanese history and or mythology mm-hmm. I never could get into those games that much but I can get into multi-dimensional Zelda storylines where I get to play as Midna and like uh, Darunia and mm-hmm. Sheik. Yeah, not I think that E3 demo is as much as I want to play this game. But to <laughs> but each the their other, own. The other the other much cooler game that I'm playing, and this this review is actually for uh, Nintendo Force magazine. Um, it's a uh, Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy Curtain Call, which is so much better than the first one, and the first one was already really good. Speaking of Nintendo Force, wasn't there a shout-out in the credits for Shovel Knight for Nintendo Force? I believe there was. That's, uh, that is because, uh, I think it was our sixth issue? Was, um, our sixth or seventh issue had a beautiful wraparound Shovel Knight cover art. And, uh, I know that uh, Lucas, the, the guy who runs Nintendo Force, um, he worked with them very closely to do a bunch of coverage on the game before it mm. came out. I think actually, yeah, I think it was the issue that was going to go out in like February, March, because we were going to have a review of the game, but then the game wasn't out until June. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that, that I think is why. Cool. Well, with that, good night, everyone. Yes. Keep listening bye. to our podcasts and checking the website. Yep, yep.
Fortune Street is copyright 2011 Armor Project Square Enix Koichi Tsukiyama. Shovel Knight is copyright 2014 Yacht Club Games. Mario Clash is copyright 1995 Nintendo. Oof Troop is copyright 1993 Capcom Disney. Professor Layton vs. Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney is copyright 2014 Level 5 Capcom.